On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition podcast, it was my pleasure to get to speak with Nora Suttis, and she is a leading program design and marketing strategist and co-founder of Hello Audio, and she works with business owners, companies, and corporations to design and sell their unique flagship programs using the flagship formula, trademarked, and Nora has helped businesses sell over $500 million in products and services online. And she's also designed several courses, coaching, and certification programs that have generated millions more. And Nora has 20 years of experience working with startups and Fortune 500 companies and everything in between, from market positioning and messaging to offers and sales strategies. She's consulted on thousands of marketing campaigns to help businesses have those authentic, compelling conversations with their clients. Before we get to Nora's interview, and trust me, you're going to want to stick around for it, we have the top 10 ways to use private podcasting and all kinds of good nuggets from from Nora. But let's go into the marketing essentials moment, the basics that you need to help you build your brand and your bottom line. Today's topic is about finding that target audience that we all as marketers know is so important and how to reach them, how to get to them, all of the things that we want to learn about them so that we know that what we are presenting to them is going to capture their attention, uh, be relevant to them, what they want, what they need. So really, let's just first identify what is a target audience, right? Who is it that you're trying to attract? So that audience is really the group of consumers or end users that is characterized by the behavior and the very specific demographics, uh, if they're female, male, or or unidentified, which is totally fine too, because that could also be a demographic that you're after. Uh, the age range, the psychographics, the, the demographics, the geographics, all of the things that you can do to create that buyer persona that is the representation of who it is that you want to buy from you or attend your event or be a donor if you're a nonprofit. Uh, They're really used to define that persona, that avatar that we want. Uh, So like I said, it can be location, it could be age, gender, uh, employment, level of education, if they're empty nesters or dinks, dual income, no children, dinks, we call them, or if they are, you know, a young mother or a mature mother, right? Uh, All the different identifiers and factors that you can use to profile that audience, right? Uh, And then using that information, once you identify and understand who it is that's going to buy from you, uh, or who already is buying from you, what your market is made of, and how you can attract more people like that that are continuing to buy from you, your ideal customer, right? Your soulmate clients that you want to purchase from you. And then you're going to use this information to really get in the mindset of your customer, empathize with them. What are they seeing, hearing, doing, feeling? What are they going to relate to? Where are they getting their information? Who are their influencers? Who are influencing their buying decisions? And all of those types of things that can help you uh, when you're creating your marketing strategy and plan and thinking about the target market that you want to resonate with most. So 
think through uh, the ways that you can reach them, talk to them, understand them, what types of audiences that you are going to go after. And you might have a primary audience, a secondary, a tertiary, you might have multiple different segments, multiple different audiences. Maybe you have the same product, but have multiple different uses for it. Uh, maybe you're a coach and you have different people uh, that you want to coach to that have uh, similar uh, problems to solve and solutions that you can offer, right? What are those attributes and how do you get to them? What are their intentions? What are their interests? What are they doing with their daily lives? What kind of things do they do? And when we step into our audience's shoes, because we may not be our own audience, right? We may not be the one that we're trying to target to, even though we have a product or solution or service that we want to give, or maybe it's a, you know, again, nonprofit or a cause or whatever it is. What is the culture? What is our subculture? Uh, what examples of like-minded people are you trying to identify with and reach with your product or service or your offerings that you're going to use to get to them? And how do you understand them further? What kind of things can you do to continue to evolve with your audience? Because what was true yesterday may not be true tomorrow and how you reach them and how you get to them, right? So looking at things like Google Analytics, the types of people who are clicking on your website, opening up your emails, um, engaging with you on social media, what are those social analytics, the insights that you can capture, the, the data, the metrics that you can look at, right? What kind of web performance and web traffic are you getting? Where is it coming from? And then further asking your current clients what interests they have, what likes them, why did they buy from you? What kind of stories do they have to tell that are around your brand? What sort of testimonials do they have what kind of things do they like to see from you? What kind of content are they clicking on and why? And what do they want more of? A couple things you can do. Surveys, right? Uh, just kind of being a fly on the wall and listening into phone calls or conversations or customer service calls or chats that you may have if you've got a, a you know, ability to have chat uh, as your customer service tool. Um, what, what ways can you identify that you can get this information from the people who are either already buying from you or potentially want to buy from you? And why is it that they do? And then using that to then help hone in on your key messaging, uh, the different interests that they have, how can you use that to your advantage and leverage this insight and information that you've discovered? And that way, those um, messages and all the things that you're doing can match up to what they want to hear and see and what they're going to engage with, right? So using these different tools and different ways to go about it, you can use if you've got a Facebook group or maybe you want to make a Facebook group, then asking polls or questions within that. If you've given webinars, asking questions in your webinars, getting feedback. Feedback is a gift, right? And understanding what that feedback is. And in, in if you've got good feedback, why is it? And what is it that you can do to replicate that? If there's not such great feedback, why? And what can you do to not replicate that and change some things in your process or your performance or your product or whatever it is that you can then use to uh, make it even better, to make even uh, uh, even more targeted solving and in solution giving that you can make. So the value that you can give to your audience that you want to attract most. So thinking through that, 
What are you doing to help make sure that you are always in alignment with your target audience? And maybe you even figured it out a year ago, but now you need to do some more digging, more research, more understanding. Things have changed, right? So what can you do to continue to keep up with the people that you want to serve most in your product or service? And thinking about how you can use maybe some other examples of what other people do Uh, in your industry, or maybe even out of your industry. We love to get inspiration from marketing tactics and plans and strategies that work really well, and then applying them to our own and modifying them to make them our own. Uh, You know, what is it? Is it the color scheme? Is it the fonts you're using? The photos that you're using of people? What kind of people are you using to display your ads or your messages or your blog posts or in your emails? What is it that you're doing that you can do? So, It's really interesting because you can use Facebook ads to help you uncover and discover uh, your target audience and what resonates well. They have some A-B testing. They'll serve up the ad that's getting more traction and then dismiss the one that's not. And then you can glean information from that and then take that into other methods and other platforms uh, with what you're doing with your messaging, all the things that you can test out and experiment on to make sure that you are continuously reaching your audience, reaching those people who want to buy from you, or maybe not even, maybe they don't even know that they need to buy from you, but what is it that you can do to get the message in front of them to help you do that? So that is what I can tell you for now. And of course, if you want more information about target audience, uh, empathy mapping, and all the things that we do in the marketing expedition community, you are encouraged to go to themarketingexpedition.com. And you can enter promo code MONTH1 to get the first month free on me. So the marketingexpedition.com promo code MONTH1. And we hope to see you on the inside of the community. And now let's get to our interview. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the President and CEO of Pepper Shock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition Community. And today's guest on our podcast, we have Nora Suddeth. Welcome to the show, Nora. Thanks, Ray. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I just want to um, give a, a kind of a, a background of who you are, what you do, uh, and then we're going to get into talking about private podcasting and customer success stories. So let's just dig in. Tell us a little bit more about Nora. Absolutely. So I'm Nora Suddeth. I am a co-founder of Hello Audio, which we could talk about that. We specialize in private podcasts. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I've also, I came from corporate, so I do have a corporate kind of backbone, but I left corporate and kind of started my own marketing agency. Then since then I've helped people sell over $500 million of product services and and things online. So um, I'm pretty, I I love marketing campaigns and I love being able to help all of the marketers out there create things and strategies that actually are effective. So that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. I love it. Corporate gone entrepreneur stories. I think that that is definitely (laughs) what people uh, want to aspire to sometimes. I mean, if they're in a corporate world and they want to get out and start their own business, then this is the way to do it. But I'm impressed. Like you said $500 million and half a billion dollars of stuff. Okay. Well, let's dig in. What did you do? How did you do it? How did you, you know, help 
people get to that point. My goodness. I love it. Uh, so, you know, for me, I, coming from, I'm a very practical type of person. I'm not a hypey person. I'm definitely not going to be your typical bro marketer, you know, kind of person. Um, there's a lot of things that are effective, but I kind of really, I'm very client and customer centric. And so for me, where I focus in as, is market positioning, market messaging, what's going to differentiate you and your offer. I, I focus a lot on making sure our offers are valuable um, because you know, when you create offers, there's a lot of, there's a lot of folks out there that'll, oh, it's all about the stack and it's, you know, throw as much stuff on there as possible, but there's a strategic way to architect an offer so that it can be kind of that no brainer decision for, for your customer. And it's about timing. It's about sequencing. It's about understanding your customer and the, and the customer conversation that you're architecting through your marketing campaign. There's a lot of things that work out there. There's all, you can use webinars. There's a lot of vehicles, right? You can use email launches, you can use social campaigns, you can use text messaging. There's a lot of vehicles that can deliver that marketing campaign. And, you know, we call funnels, all the things. At the end of the day, it's truly about architecting a customer conversation. No matter what vehicle you use to deliver it, that's where I like to spend time with folks. And that's where I, I think that, that that alone, that customer conversation and architecting that creatively and strategically has helped us sell so much. Oh my goodness. So do you have an example or some um, story to tell us about how you went about this process and, and help somebody get there with uh, the messaging and what you architected? <laughs> you know, I the biggest thing for me is after working with, I mean, we've probably consulted on now thousands of marketing campaigns across several different industries. So this isn't just, you know, only the expert industry that's courses and in coaching programs, although we have, we have sold a significant help sell a significant amount of products and services there. It really kind of comes down to the, the folks that know their audience the best will win in this. And it's, I mean, I, I think that that's a pretty common principle we hear a lot as marketers is like, you know, he or she that knows their customer the best kind of wins this game. Um, also, you have to make sure that you understand your cost to acquire that customer and, and all the things and you kind of know your numbers. At the end of the day, though, I think one of the things I can share that is tactical that I think would, would help be helpful for for your audience is, is really about offer creation and, and the boosting the offer value. And the reason I'll, I'll start there and the reason why I want to zero in on this is because, you know, as we look at economic shifts and we look at gas prices, you know, going up and we look at um, just the economy being maybe a little uh, uncertain um, or, you know, folks, you know, there's a lot of talk about recession, whether that's going to happen or not. It's not, I'm definitely not your expert on that. But the fact is that people are going to be more, um, they're, they're going to be, more particular than that's not this isn't a, a a big like no people are not going to you know spend money they are going to spend money this isn't you know doomsday or anything like that but i think when people do start spending money so for those of you that are in charge of marketing campaigns and launches and hitting revenue targets Something I think we all need to understand is that customers are going to need more reassurance in the buying process. And one of the things that as you look at your offer, one of the things that you can do to help with your conversions, especially if you start, if you're starting to see a decrease in sales or a decrease in trends right now, is provide more of those touch points, provide more of those reassurances. And ultimately, we want our offer to communicate more certainty. People are going to look for more certainty in their investments, right? They they're looking for the the increased likelihood of success. And so as you look at architecting your offers and putting those offers together, 
how can you inject more certainty? How can you create the perception that there is an increased likelihood of success by purchasing this product? And, and you know, maybe that would be social proof and some um, very strategic uh, testimonials or really customer success stories, because the story is really what's going to help, you know, move the needle there versus like an endorsement. They're like, this product is great, right? It's really mm-hmm. taking people from the beginning and, and through the transformation into that end result, instead of just talking about the end result. I think, you know, what are the things I would personally, what I recommend for all of our clients is we go through and we put together a, a potential problem list, right? And it's it's mm-hmm. all about what potential problems your prospects think they might have, right? Whether they're real or not, because, you know, we have as consumers or as product owners, as product creators, as service providers, we have a different perspective. We have, we're coming from a different place of awareness and knowledge than a lot of our prospects are. So when they're coming into your world, what do they perceive perceive as, as a potential problem? And most of the time it has, it has to do with, you know, time. I don't have time to do this, or this is going to take too long, right? It has to do with that kind of stuff. Um, It might have to do with external factors. Um, This won't, or I can't rely on Facebook if you're a Facebook ads agency, right? Like it, it's sometimes external factors that they don't believe, but I want you to really sit. And I would highly recommend if you have a customer support team, um, talk to the folks folks that are on the front lines answering questions. If, you know, look at all of the Q and A's that are coming in, if you're doing webinars or if you do live Q and A sessions, really take, and this should be an asset every business should have is go through that potential problem looks, look and, and really see where the, they're kind of all, what the ultimate thing, what they're saying is, I'm not sure this is going to work or I need more certainty or I need to be reassured and start to think about what you can do in your offer even in your marketing and in your messaging to help inject more of those touch points to help provide more reassurance along the way. And I would say if you don't have a really robust or any follow-up system in place right now for your launches, or or if you think that that might be a point of weakness or an opportunity for growth in your organization, this is an amazing time to make sure we're beefing up that follow-up process because chances are with this economy, it's going to take more touch points to close deals. Right. Follow up, follow up, follow up. I think that is, I think, like you said, it's sometimes that could get lost and you've done all this work to get it all out there and people are interested and they want to buy from you and then they, you know, give an interest and then the follow up is what lacks. So, I mean, that's just as important as it is the offer, honestly, right? Oh my goodness. Yes. So, okay. um, Thinking about an offer, just for those that maybe want to start in this on this path of being able to create something that they can give their audience and the offers is what we're talking about, right? Giving those reassurances that they're going to buy from. Can you give me an example of a product or service or an offer that was made that really was super effective? Yeah. Um, so I, it's interesting. Most of the time when, when folks come to us, they have an offer that has sold, maybe sold in the past, and it has been effective, but then sometimes it loses its effectiveness. And there, and there's a few reasons for this, right? One is that um, maybe the messaging is, nothing is static, right? The market is evolving, your prospective customers, your audience is evolving, uh, the messages they hear evolve over time. So a lot of times when your messaging that used to work or the hooks or the angles that you use to get people in the door, mm-hmm. um, maybe become more commonplace and they're not as enticing or they're not as magnetic 
magnetic as they used to be. And that's a very normal thing. So having to revamp your messaging, having to kind of refresh um, maybe the hook or the angle or the entry points, essentially all we're doing is refreshing the customer conversation at the end of the day, no matter how we're delivering it, I think is is a really big thing. And and as we, you know, I've, I've come to to look at you know some of these common things that are that typically hold conversions back or the reason why we see things are, are maybe less effective. And what we're seeing now is that it's it's more challenging to get and keep someone's attention. Sure, we can talk about attention spans, we can talk about noise online, we can talk about the fact that you know typically Americans, there's studies that show that we're we're exposed to thousands, like five thousand plus uh, messages every single day, marketing messages every Crazy, single day. Huh? <laughs> it's insane. Once you start looking at some of these studies. And so, you know, one of the things that we started doing are what are the ways that we can get through some of some of the noise? And so, for example, we had someone who was really focused on lead gen and had an ebook that has done very, very well for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ebook, I think from cold traffic was converting at 20%, which is pretty darn good from right. a cold from cold traffic. And said, you know, it kind of said, hey, is there anything that we can do to maybe improve this or optimize it? We're always looking to get better. Um, And, you know, as ads, ads have been a little wonky lately uh, with no matter where you're kind of advertising your paid media, it's been a little bit wonky. So costs have started to go up. Um, So they were really looking at optimizing the conversion point to get more people to, to say yes and opt in. And so one of the things we did was we took that PDF, which we didn't change anything about the content, but we had the author narrate it, we had the author speak it, and we put that into a private podcast. You know, guess it's an audio book, but it was delivered via a private podcast, which we can talk about that in, you know, what Mm -hmm. that actually is in in a minute here, but just changing it to the audio format Mm -hmm. all of a sudden took conversions from 20% to 80%. And I look at that and it was like, you know, nothing about the content has changed. We didn't change the hook. We didn't change the way, the conversation that we were bringing people in. All we did was change the medium and, you know, as we, we did more research and looked at some of the folks that had amazing PDFs, like checklists or worksheets or workbooks, a lot of times we started to see conversions go down and it wasn't because of the quality of the content. For those that are listening, if you've created PDFs, you know, there's a lot of hard work that goes into creating them. And there's a lot of love that mm-hmm. goes into creating them for our clients. It was just that people, the audience, the marketplace is trusting themselves less. I think everyone kind of, myself included, has the graveyard of PDFs. Um, I have them on multiple <laughs> yeah. machines and Dropboxes, yeah. external hard drives they are all over the place. And even though I had great intentions, I raised my hand and said, I'm interested in this topic. And I, I, yes, please send me this. When I downloaded it and saw it was like a 50 page thing, I was like, I'll get to that later. Or I didn't even open it. And in my, my mind, I'm thinking I'll get to that later. And, and a lot of your, pro- yeah, I'll I'm just totally get to guilty that later. Of that. Yep. Yep. Totally. Mm-hmm. That's yep. a very normal thing. But what that does is it takes your prospect out of the buying cycle. And so by changing it to a different format that people trust themselves to listen to, if you think about the difference between you downloading a 50 page ebook compared to maybe a five episode podcast that you know, then you can start, you can listen to that whenever, wherever it's a lot more convenient. It's a lot more, you can use those pockets of time that we all have in our lives that we're not sitting here at this computer, right right at this screen where we have to be paying. Yeah. You can go back and listen to parts that you want that, you know, maybe you started thinking about something because it triggered it. That's my favorite part about podcasts is I can rewind and now what did they say? (laughs) Yeah. 
It's yeah. perfect. And I would do that a lot more with the podcast than I would with trying to find that PDF, which is sitting probably in the graveyard of PDFs, yep. right? Yep. Even if I did open it for that first time, God only knows where that thing went. And mm-hmm. so we look at, you know, from a marketing standpoint, some of the things that we're starting to do, and that's why we're so interested in using private podcasts for marketing is just the channel of communication, just the fact that we're using audio. And if you look at the, if we look at the the value of an offer, right? Yes, we, if you increase certainty, that boosts the value of the offer. If you decrease the amount of time it takes to get to the value of that offer, you're going to, you're going to increase the value of that offer. And if you increase ease and convenience, right? I mean, if, if we've seen nothing over the last decade is that people pay for ease and convenience. So the more ease and convenience you can put into an offer, that increases the value of that offer as well. And with putting with audio, that's exactly what it is. It's it's ease and convenience of consumption, which you know, if you're a marketer, you know, no matter how hard you and how long and how many, how many hours are spent on your content marketing strategy and putting that content out there, which I know we all spend a lot of time on it. If people don't consume it, that's way that that's, that's not effective. That's not going to help you get where you want to go. And so now all of a sudden by using audio as a communication vehicle, as a communication Mm. medium to reach folks, now all of a sudden we're starting to see consumption rates go way up because people are trusting again, not even necessarily making any changes to the hooks. Although I will say sometimes that is necessary as marketing evolves or as markets you know evolve and people evolve, but just using audio itself, we've seen or such even, a tremendous difference. Even if it's audio, but you have the transcription on the screen, people will read that more than they'll read a PDF because even if they can't turn the audio up, right? Making it audio agnostic, but having the the transcription along, so it's like a video, but it's audio only, but you've got the words on the screen and I, I'm guilty of it. Sometimes I'll, you know, be watching or looking or whatever. And, <laughs> and suddenly then it's like, oh, okay, yeah. So definitely another way to go about it, another way, another way to get more information out there in a way that people can consume it wherever that, where, whenever they are doing whatever they're doing, right? It's true. Yeah. It's very yeah. true. And you can always supplement. So if you have an amazing workbook, if you have an amazing checklist, um, if you have a guide or something similar that is working well for you, even layering audio on top of it so that people can hear you and connect with you. I mean, how, how well do we all connect with PDFs? Even if they're ama- if you're an amazing writer, we don't, it, we, it's different. Your brand doesn't come through. Your voice doesn't come through. We don't necessarily make a strong connection with, the, with that lead magnet to really associate your brand with that download. But all of a sudden, if you right. layer audio onto that, now we can hear your voice. We can hear your brand. Brand audio is is one of those mediums that do, is more intimate and it does create stronger connections because your your voice is in their head, right? You're you're putting those headphones on. It creates a much more intimate connection with that that audience member. And so even just layering that guide on of, of an audio of walking them through the workbook or walking them through and telling them stories about where people get stuck or telling them stories about where, you know, folks in that you've served that have had success with this. And, and it just really drives that home and creates a much stronger connection. And with that, that will ultimately lead to better conversions as well. So when you do a private podcast, tell me a little bit more about that. Is it still, you can listen to it on your podcast devices. Let's share a little bit more so that anybody who's thinking about this, like give them, give them some tips on, 
making a private podcast. Absolutely. So most folks know what a public podcast is, right? And if you're listening to this, you know, this is an amazing public podcast, right? So that's something we all, everyone can subscribe to it, which by the way, if you haven't subscribed, you should to this podcast, (laughs) definitely hit that button. And this is something that's available to the general public. Now, What's a little bit different about private podcasts, now private podcasts look, feel, and operate just the same as your public podcast, which means most apps, whatever app you're listening to this podcast on, chances are that app also supports private podcasts. What's different is that you control, as, as the private podcast owner, the content owner, you control who gets access to that and for how long they get access to it because access can be given uh, to an individual subscriber. So that access link, the unique access link to that private podcast is actually tied to someone's email address. So now, not only can you control and gate, you can put premium content, which you know you can podcast all sorts of things. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. It's all about being able to now have more visibility and more actionable data to know who exactly is listening and when they're listening so you can take actions on that. I think that's that's one of the biggest differences between a public podcast and a private podcast. The other difference is I want you to, most of the time we have very um, preconceived notions about what a podcast is. Like it has to be an interview like this, or I have to be a podcaster to have a podcast. What private podcasts, uh, they, what they do is they really kind of change what it means to be a podcaster. You don't have to have a show to have a private podcast. You can podcast all sorts of different content. You can podcast your course. You can podcast coaching call replays. You can podcast your summit event recordings. It's just, think about it as more of a communication vehicle that's just super convenient. You can you know turn off your mm-hmm. screen on your phone, stick your phone in your pocket, get your headphones on and go about your day. And you can listen to all of this content and think about, I'm sure all of us are guilty of spending thousands and thousands of dollars on educational, whether it's a course or coaching program, and we couldn't necessarily make all the calls, whatever that looks like. If that content was put into a private podcast for you to be able to consume, chances are we probably would have had higher completion rates for some of the things that we've purchased in the past. And so that's that's another big difference is the type of content that you can put into a private podcast. And then the I would say the, the third big differences in how we deliver that content. So uh, public podcasts are date-driven, right? This episode is going to release for everybody on the same date. With with private podcasts, you can do that. You can deliver that, that episode on the same date for every subscriber listening to that private podcast. You can also have an instant kind of delivery where it's bingeable. So this is great. Like if you think about Netflix, right. And they have all their, for all of our old shows that we watch live, but now all the, you know, all the teenagers are like discovering it for the first time. And it's like a course. This is great for a course, which just bingeable. All the content is there at once and you're not going to add anything else. The other way you can do that is evergreen, which is something you can't do with public podcasts. And that's kind of create the drip schedule based on when the listener activated their feed. So that mm-hmm. means if I subscribe to feed, this is great for like challenges um, and like 30, if you have like 30 day meditations and, and anything evergreen, any piece of content you have is evergreen, because if I opt in today, my day one is today. But if Ray opted in, if you Ray, if you mm-hmm. opted in next week, then your day one is next week. And we're listening to the same feed, same content, but now we're just on different schedules and we could have those different schedules expire based on our activation as well. So you could have something like a pop-up podcast, which creates 
you know, built-in urgency to to deliver it. I think that's that's one of the biggest difference between private and public podcasts is with public, everyone is getting the same content at the same time. With private podcasts, you can take that a step further. And what we've done actually at Hello Audio is we take that even a step further and we use tags, like a, it's like an audio CRM. So for example, if you have your challenge, you do your live challenge or you do your evergreen challenge, you have maybe clients that join. So you have existing customers and then you have prospects. You have buyers and non-buyers, and you can actually tag them as such in, in Hello Audio and deliver specific pieces of content, specific episodes based on their tags. And they're all listening and all subscribed to the same feed, but now maybe your prospective buyers get sales messages or testimonial content that's dropped in that feed. And all of your existing customers don't get that because that's not relevant to them. So not only are you increasing reach with private podcasts, just because it's audio, which audio can go anywhere, but now with something like these, this audio CRM functionality, you're now also able to increase relevancy as well. Well, that's great. So just serving up what they need when they need it and to who needs it. And that's awesome. And you can also, you can set it up to where people pay for this, right? I mean, they can pay a, a fee to subscribe to the, the personal broadcast, right? Yeah. So most of the, I think most of what people are familiar with or have seen over the last year, like Apple podcasted this and Spotify did this. And it's a very common model with Patreon is that you, they, they're charging like $5 a month or $7 a month just to get access to that. And you can do that. That's one viable model, but you don't have to do it that way. We have folks that have created private podcasts. They charge a thousand dollars to access that private podcast. They create an audio course and it's a, maybe a, a, med- a series of meditations and they they, you can charge whatever you want. It can be reoccurring. It doesn't have to, it can be a one-time fee. It can be free. It can, you could actually tease it and do a couple episodes for free, but then only the paid members get access to the rest of the content. So you do have a lot of flexibility for how you monetize that content. It doesn't have to be five or $7 a month. And let's face it, everyone listening to this, your expertise is worth more than five or seven bucks a month. (laughs) True. I I like to think so, but you know, I'm sure I don't need to throw a bunch of statistics and percentages at you for you to know that most of us spend too much time staring at screens. Being able to consume your content on the go means that your clients and customers can listen and learn from you without being tied to their desks. With Hello Audio, your customers can put their phones down, power off their PCs, close their MacBooks, and get the information they need from you while they're, let's say, walking a dog, doing a jigsaw puzzle, washing the dishes, maybe when they're in the car or exercising on the treadmill, sunbathing in their garden. Well, Hello Audio makes it incredibly easy for you. No more hours spent trying to figure out tech settings or trying to make a square peg fit into a round hole. You can click publish on an audio feed in a matter of minutes and have control over who accesses what. So visit Peppershock.com offers and sign up for a free trial of Hello Audio. The other thing that we kind of thought about talking about is uh, you said when having a customer success team, let's let's share a little bit more about that. Yeah. So one of the things that we did, this was a full on experiment. I did not know this was going to work, but you know, as with that's all marketing is right. We just come up with experiments, (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, like we did in in the seventh grade science fair. We're like, oh, it's going to work, but I guess we're going to find out. Right. You have a hypothesis. We'll test it. (laughs) We're just going to test it. We're going to look at the data and we're going to decide if it was worthy, right. If, If it was a good experiment or not, or if we should continue to do it or pivot. 
what we did with Hello Audio is we put together a success story podcast. And this is a private podcast. And what we did was we reached out to users who were using the product and we asked them for audio only to, to share their story with the product and, and just audio only, which by the way, is a lot easier to get your customers to do than if you ask them to be on video. So that's just a side yes, note. Yes. No one really wants to be on video and it's just a lot easier to edit as well. So there is that. Um, but we, we put there's, and we asked them, you know, typical testimonial or typical uh, story arc type of questions, right? What were you doing that even made you consider using Hello Audio or considered using private podcasts for your business? You know, what did you think? What what made you not almost not consider doing it? What was your what were your hesitations? Because that way, our listeners are able to understand and see themselves in these stories. Because our our users are the hero of their own stories. It's not our product that's the hero. We just happen to enable their success, or we're nice. we're a guide or a support system. Them, but it truly they're the heroes in that. So we we shared all of our customer success stories in this podcast, kind of just put it out there to see what would happen. And we weren't sure. And initially we did it because our members are amazing and they're using private podcasts in all sorts of unique ways that, you know, we could maybe think of some and then they would take it to another. I'm like, oh, I've never thought about it. That's actually genius. You can use it for nonprofits, you can use it for booth marketing, like all these different ways. And we put it in there as a way to allow our existing users to get more ideas and, and just kind of get inspired and, and celebrate each other. We have a, It's an amazing community where we all celebrate each other's success, right? So that was important to us. And then we kind of realized too, obviously, that it's also a marketing tool, that it's folks that are, especially with tech tools, everyone is thinking, almost, almost everyone thinks the same thing. They're like, oh, tech do I really need another app? Do I really need this? You know, like, do I have time? Because everyone thinks it's going to take a bazillion years to get up and rent for some apps and some pieces, you know, of technology. It absolutely has a longer success curve. And I could sit here and tell our prospective clients and, you know, it's on the website, you know, our over 70% of our users create their first feed in 24 hours. And yet, that, you know, as, as marketers, we know that when we say stuff like that, it's not nearly as effective as when it's coming directly from the users and coming directly from our customers. And so that actually was really that, that podcast, that private podcast that had all of our success stories, all of our customer success stories in there was really effective, both on the expansion side. So for, and the delivery and, and adoption of the product itself, but also on the marketing side and, and really being able to um, help prospective buyers see themselves in these stories and understand how they can leverage this type of tool in their business or in their lives. And I think that's a, to me, it, it was a, it, to date, this is probably one of our most downloaded. We've had thousands. I mean, you think like who would really listen to a podcast full of success stories? We've had thousands and thousands of downloads of that, of that private podcast. And it's been it's, and everyone loves it. Everyone raves about it. They ask for more ideas. People want to be featured on it. It's it's a great opportunity to use private podcasts, both to help with your fulfillment, delivery, adoption, and that kind of stuff, and your customer success rates, but also on your for your prospective clients and your conversion rates on the front end as well. It's a really great way to fuel that word of mouth advertising when it's not your own. And I like to call it world of mouth advertising, especially with this. You can be anywhere and have your podcast, you know, played anywhere. So I think that's a, a wonderful tactic to take to to share those success stories and testimonials. And now that people want to be featured in it, too, I think that's <laughs> that's a cherry on top for sure. <laughs> OK, so uh, another question for you. Um, what are some some 
some things along the way that have helped you get to where you are now in this process? Like, what are some things that you did to help you get your business going and help all of these things happen? Some resources, some some people that may have helped you, some courses that you took even um, that, that you didn't just let ha- happen to say in the PDF, uh, you know, graveyard, right? Tell me some things that you did to get where you are now. Oh, I love this question. Um, oh, so many things. I think for me, um, I am that person that loves to learn. I think you, in in order to, for me, in order for me to be successful doing this and make the successful exit from corporate and that in that world and running, you know, having a six figure corporate job to and with small kids, right? So like, is it? I'm and I'm not a super. I'm, I'm more of a risk averse person, right? I'm definitely not that, I just, yeah, I had the house, had the mortgage payment. I wasn't ready to just be like, ah, oh, I'm good. There was a lot there. Um, I, I think I had to be really a lover of learning and I had to be willing to experiment in order to be where I'm at today. So, and sometimes, you know, I, I look at my corporate career and there's some folks that, you know, want to bash corporate and like some folks that loved it. Um, I absolutely had every single experience was a learning experience, whether I look back on it and, and was like, wow, that was that was a toxic environment or whatever it is. Right. It was always I learned from it. I learned from the leaders that were in the organization. I learned from coworkers. I, I think when you view things that way. Um, and that's kind of what I took into entrepreneurship is it, this is all learning. This isn't about failing. This is about getting data and learning from it. And I, I think that has truly helped me get past where I think most entrepreneurs, when, when you start off and you're really kind of before you hit that six figure mark, right. And, and you're kind of hesitant or things aren't working and you're trying to find that product market fit. Um, you're trying to make sure you understand your audience and you're trying to make, you know, all of the things you're trying to kind of fit in, in like a puzzle and trying to get it right. For me, I knew that the only way to do that was to act and put things out there, knowing that if they didn't work, that was actually a really great piece of data to learn from. And so nothing, I think not being afraid to act and not for me, and this is coming from someone who was absolutely a perfectionist kind of growing up in school. And I like, I wanted to be the straight A student and all the things um, I had to be okay with launching ugly and putting things out there because no matter how hard you work and no matter how hard we, we try our best to give our, our customers and our clients and our audience, what we think they want, it's very rarely have I ever hit, have had someone be like, yep, I nailed it on the first try, right? I've, it's like, I don't think I've heard that story recently. And so I think one of the biggest things is to, to, to get over the fear or not think you have to have everything perfect before you put it out there. And, that, and to understand that you have to put it out there in order to get it perfect. I think that's the, one of the biggest shifts. And you know, when I left corporate and I started my marketing agency, um, it was because I loved it. I was, I mean, I'm obsessed with client success. That's just how I'm wired. And so, you know, doing that was just so much fun to work with people and actually get results and be face-to-face with clients and and really be able to see the impact directly that you're having on their business and on their families. And then, you know, I got a call from Russell, it was a Voxer from Russell Brunson at ClickFunnels. And I had gone through their initial certification program because I, at that point, ClickFunnels was brand baby new. um, And we just started using it for clients in the agency. 
And he said, Hey, you know, could you shut down your agency? I'd, I'd like you to consider shutting down your agency and coming and rebuilding our certification program. And so I ended up partnering with Russell um, and was that ClickFunnels for three years, I rebuilt their, I created their ClickFunnels certified partner program. When that was there, I created another, you know, seven figure uh, coaching program there. And I would say, you know, for some folks that, you know, they want to be like, oh, bro marketers and like ClickFunnels, whatever, right? I, Russell is, it was, has, it was absolutely amazing to learn from. I think those are the experiences and those, you, you just see what, people are doing and then just the community itself and being able to be around folks that are building thousands of funnels, right? Every single year we had how many funnels were created. You learn a lot and I'm beyond appreciative for having that experience and being able to be in the trenches and and looking at the data because I, I do think that that truly helped me identify patterns and identified the common themes because of, of my corporate and strategic background. It was like seeing that and being in the trenches now allowed me to pull up and say, ah, I see what the, I see the secret. Now I see the recipes, I see the patterns and I understand what truly makes a successful marketing campaign. And, you know, now I could kind of see through, cause it's hard. Some of these marketers are great, you know, and you're like, it's this, it's over here. It's this shiny object or it's over here. And there's, it's a lot of hype and it's a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. And just that experience of being in those types of environments and, and working for um, and with folks that have, you know, had that, the sheer volume of marketing campaigns I think was was an experience that truly helped me shape my own marketing chops and to understand and then, you know, add on to and build on to those patterns and success trends that really do make a difference. That's great. So I don't know if you knew this or not, but Russell actually lives one town over from me here in Idaho. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. a long time ago, before he had his own video people, he actually rented our studio. This was years and years and years ago. But I just just remember where he was then and see where he is now. And it's just awesome to see how much success and how much he's helped other people like you and others, you know, be able to build their funnels and do all the things that he does. And it's, it's kind of fun to see the the knowing where he was to now. <laughs> oh yeah. The impact that he yeah. has had, that his team has had, that the product has had on so many people. I mean, you look at that and and you have to, you have to be in awe of that. I mean, you have to respect that amazing level of impact that, that, that product. I mean, if no one knew what a funnel was before <laughs> really, you know, yeah. like he, he, he made that a commonplace name. And I, to me that it's learning from those folks and learning from that, that experience that, I mean, that's, that's, that's invaluable. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank goodness that the internet, uh, you know, was invented and we could make, you know, make money online too. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So let's see if you could step in my shoes for a minute. What would you have asked yourself that I didn't ask you already? Oh, that's a good question. There's so many, so many things. I'm trying to think what would be the most useful for your audience. Um, you know, I um, probably the maybe the top, I don't know how, how many I can rattle off here, but maybe the top 10 ways people are actually effectively using private podcasts to make a difference in their business. I think I, that might be, oh, okay. I could probably, I'm totally right. giving myself so homework like that. I let's used to what, in first like grade here. The, oh my God. The, the 10, let's just say the top ways. And yeah, maybe let's, let's ten. we'll see. I'll count for you. But oh my God, uh, we'll yeah, see. the top ways no that people now. are effectively using 
uh, private podcasts. Okay, you yeah. ready, Nora? Let's go. All right, uh, okay. all right. Lead magnets. So we talked about the ebook to an audio book, uh, but there's a lot of different ways that you can use audio series, mini classes. Um, lots of ways that you can convert your existing content. You don't even have to create new stuff, but existing content to use them as lead magnets. So that's one, one way to do it. Um, courses. I would say um, we are seeing course creators podcast, create a podcast version of their course, and we're seeing completion rates skyrocket. So we're seeing, I mean, depending on what study you read, course completion is like three to 20%, I think is the highest number I've ever seen, which I don't believe, but that's okay. I've seen it in a study. <laughs> someone, someone did it somewhere. Now we're seeing course creation skyrocket. Completions are, are up over 80% for some folks, simply because we're, it's not rocket science. We're just making it easier for people to consume the content and they actually do right that's <laughs> kind of crazy but course course creators and, and creating course uh, for course completion that's the second one um, coaching programs so whether you have a group coaching program or you're a one-on-one -on -one coach or you're one-on-one -on -one consultant we have a lot of folks using private podcasts to put their call replays into a private feed because and I'll tell you this works on the sales objection side because a lot of times when we're selling group coaching programs um, or one-on-one -on -one coaching a lot of the, one of the biggest objections, well, one-on-one, -on -one, maybe not group. Definitely. I can't make that time, right? I, I that's it. I'm not going to be able, I don't have time to make that call or I'm at soccer practice or whatever it is by being able to make the replays more accessible and easier to consume. It helps on the sales objection side of things. And then from a one-on-one -on -one standpoint, you know, how many times are your clients really looking at that, you know, Dropbox or the, whatever link you're putting in Google drive, being able, it's just a huge value add to be able to put your uh, sessions, your coaching sessions into a private feed and allowing that your client to have it with them at all times to re-listen to, which is really big. Um, so I, I think those um, launch. So podcast launch with uh, launch with audio is another one. So whether you launch with a challenge, a webinar, um, whether you do like a PL, like the uh, Jeff Walker's product launch formula, you have a video series, just putting your launch content in a private podcast increases consumption for all the same reasons we talked about, just because it's easier for people to consume. But by doing that, we're seeing people that put their webinar into a, po a private podcast and had it expire, just like your normal webinar replays probably do, they're actually increasing conversions by double digits. So we're seeing folks that had the same exact content, they've run the same challenge, they didn't change anything about the content. Typically their conversion rates were like maybe seven or 8%, which is pretty good. And now they're seeing conversions jump to over 20% just because they added audio as a way to let people consume the content. Because if your launch content doesn't get consumed, chances are they're a lot less likely to buy. So that's, I don't know if that was four. Yeah, I think we're at, <laughs> right. think we're at four, yeah. <laughs> All right, so like launching, I think that's a big deal. So uh, launch with audio, I think is a big thing. Um, onboarding. So I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna do two with onboarding here. One is onboarding clients. That's a big one that's happening because if you're an agency, if you are a consultant or a coach, a lot of times we need to set expectations. I don't know anyone who isn't an agency, a coach or a consultant that hasn't had um, in a, a difficult client or, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of leave it at that. There's been some that have, have, you know, like, why did I do this kind of things? And that's, that's normal. But a lot of times it's a lot of communication and expectation setting that helps create a, a more, um, can, it's more conducive to having a great client experience or, or client delivery process. So client onboarding with audio, they're a lot more likely to listen to your company values, your processes, how you work, um, setting those expectations 
expectations up front. Client onboarding is a big one. So that's the fifth one, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. Then I would also add employee onboarding. This is actually a big one. If you're starting to add uh, employees to your business, a lot of times it takes a little bit of time to get people set up on their systems, whether using Slack or email and all the things, or, you know, God forbid, you're going to give them a PDF with an employee handbook. No one's reading that thing. <laughs> exactly. No one, no one's reading that thing. But if you made it more interesting, think about a, getting a private podcast uh, that's that's unique. It's unique to you. You get a message from your direct supervisor. You get a message from the CEO. You can talk passionately about the company's values. You can have six. You can have your customer success story dropping in there. So now, what? what how much? How different of an experience for that employee would that be than reading that PDF, reading that employee handbook? Right. That's just totally different. Totally different. So I think that was six. Oh my goodness. Uh, all right. So the next one I have is actually an intern, another internal one, and it's to communicate with your team. So if you, especially if you have a distributed workforce that is geographically distributed across all, a whole bunch of different time zones, trying to find a time to have an all hands meeting, which by the way, no one really wants another all hands Zoom. No, we don't need another. Yeah. No, <laughs> we don't need don't. another one. <laughs> no, I don't know more. Please. We're, we're, I mean, even those of us that were on Zoom for years before the pandemic, we're like, we're still tired. Please stop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> but there's a lot of big companies and a lot of big name companies, not just smaller companies, but there are bigger companies that are using private podcasts as a way to, com- is, to keep employees' communications up. And I will say this, the folks, I look at the folks that survived and thrived the companies that thrived during the pandemic were that were in an office and had to go geographically distributed or working from home. The companies that thrived are the ones that had amazing internal communication. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, having a private podcast to drop um, drop stories from your customers to let people know what the after your leadership retreat to what you know what is the vision of the company and what are we going to do and just to set the stage of where the company is going and the re- whether you're doing results or updates all the things I think internal podcasting for work um, is something that I think is is currently overlooked and I think could be, really be helpful in terms of building a, a company culture I think that that's something that we'll see more and more of as we move along. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I think that was seven. Oh my goodness. Yep. Um, okay, events. So that's my next one. So summits, if you are a, a, someone who runs summits, um, I'll even probably lump in um, live events as well, but any sort of live event. So especially summits though, because a lot of times summit, um, uh, the organizers will sell recordings, right? That's just kind mm-hmm. of part of how this works. And so there's a lot of what we're seeing. We have folks that have used Hello Audio to offer recordings of a summit and they saw a massive increase in conversions because I mean, think about it as a consumer, you're like, am I really going to log into that members area and watch every single video of 30 different speakers? But all of a sudden, if you put those 30 speaker tracks in a private podcast that I can go listen to those, the gems that they dropped, the gold that they dropped and, and make it super easy for me, I'm a lot more likely to buy those recordings. So that's another one to monetize your summits and to see an uptick, whether you use it as an upsell or, or those types of things I think is, is important. All right. Next. What is that? Seven. All right. We're at nine. Are we? All right. All right. We're at nine. All right. I just, now I'm just making more work for myself. Okay. (laughs) That's fine. So another way that you could use this is actually creating a bonus. So I will say this, there's a, as we look at offers, as we look at um, sweetening the deal with with offers that you're creating, 
It, the thought of creating another product or another thing can be very overwhelming. You're like, you know, is it really valuable just to create a PDF? You know, those types of things. Audio is easy to create mm -hmm. and you can create it anywhere with very limited um, needs for capital or, or different, you know, assets. You can literally have a $12 lapel mic from Amazon. You can go in your car or your closet or whatever you want to do to create good art. There's also lots of things you could do to improve audio very easily, but it's rapid content creation with audio. It's also a great way to test things out too. But if you're creating a bonus for a course or a bonus for a coaching package or whatever that looks like, it's so easy to be able to put something in audio, whether it's your existing content, uh, whether it's an interview series that you put together or curated, or even, you know, I would say for this podcast, you've probably had themes, episodes that you could probably break down into themes or in, you can kind of segment your audience based on interest and you could create a private podcast of just those topics. And now you're not redoing any other, you know, you're not creating additional content. You're actually curating the content you already have. And now you're creating an audio asset. So that to me is a really big deal to be able to do that. All right. What, then where am I at? And this is uh, the last, okay, one? last one. Last one. You got one oh more. Oh my gosh. But although all you've right. dropped so much already. So like, <laughs> all right. How do I do this? Um, the next one, there's so many that I can pick from what's going to be uh, probably the most relevant. We've done launching, we've done courses, we've done course. Um, oh my goodness. We've done, I just had it. And I'm like, where now I can't think of what I was going to say. Um, I will say, um, not only from, um, oh, now it's good. It's gone. It's gone. I had 10. You, you had, you, you had quite a bit there though. So <laughs> 10. Oh my goodness. I will say this. Um, there are a lot, oh, physical products. Here you go for all you physical. I was like, I, I have so many, why am I blanking? <laughs> so for those of you that have physical products and I'll actually include a bonus here, if you're doing like booth marketing, like where you have a booth and you're like, like at a lot, you're a, a trade show booth or you're like in an event, you sponsor it. You can actually put a QR code either at your booth right at wherever you're or on your physical products. So we have folks that sell like candles or, or room sprays and they have a QR code on their physical product that people can scan and it opens up their favorite podcast. It's like a one click kind of a thing. It, it loads that pot, that private podcast into their app. And it's another way that you can communicate with, with that person. So with physical product goods, a lot of times you don't get to connect with them digitally. A lot of times you don't always get their email address or you can't always open up another channel of communication. That's a great way to do that with physical products. And then with something like booth marketing for people walking around, you know, they're going to grab that piece of paper or the pencil or candy. I personally go for the candy, you know, <laughs> if it's there, I can't help myself. I'm like, Ooh, I shouldn't be eating this, but it's so <laughs> good. It's like, you know, like this, this bowl of candy. How do you avoid it? So I, but that's going in a bag and it's probably not going to be looked at, but all of a sudden, if you have that person scan the QR code, they're, they're traveling, they can put their, their, uh, AirPods or their headphones in their ears and they can walk around that trade show and they can listen to really compelling content that you put together for them. So now we're creating more of those connections. So I know I added maybe a little bit of a oh, bonus yeah. in there and added those, but 
that's another way to you can use private podcasts. Yeah, that's amazing. I had no idea that there were so many different ways to be able to use private podcasting. So uh, that's good. Thank you. You've given me so many ideas. Oh my I, know, I can't help myself. I'm like, and, 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 and then, then of course I blanked on Ted. But yeah. there are so many folks that are using this effectively to generate more leads, to stand out and differentiate themselves in the market, to get higher conversions, to establish stronger connections, you know, with their audience. And I, I, if you're what, whoever you decide to use, I just audio is an overlooked opportunity for, for many businesses right now. Absolutely. Well, Nora, how can people uh, reach out to you, get a hold of you, um, work with you, all of the above? Absolutely. So you can find me at Nora Sedith on Instagram at norasedith.com. And if you do want to find out more about Hello Audio, you can find that at helloaudio.fm or helloaudio.fm on Instagram. And I will say this, we are one of those software companies that are a little bit abnormal. We don't ask for your credit card up front. We purposely took that off because we felt like, hey, we're easy to use and we want to prove it to you. And we do that by allowing a seven-day trial without any credit card. So that way it is it is actually risk-free, not just risk-free from right. the fact that you got to remember to cancel it seven days <laughs> yeah. later. But this is actually, we do really want folks to try that out at no risk with no pressure because it is, we want to show you how easy it is to use. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Nora, for dropping all of this wonderful information. You did it. You had, you know, 10 uses in your head. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> we'll list them out in the show notes, too, so people have other ways to reach it. But I think um, this has been wonderful. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you come back again and, and tell us more about a lot of the other things that we didn't have time for. But uh, thank you again. And so where, where are you calling from, Nora? Where's your home base? I am actually in Carmel, Indiana. So it's not Carmel by the sea. It is Carmel by the corn. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, we'll have to have you out uh, to Idaho sometime and you can go visit Russell and you can come visit us. I'd love to come back for sure. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much. And for those of you listening, the best thing you can do is share this with others that you know need to hear what Nora had to say today. And of course, give us some reviews and rankings and downloads and all the good things. Right, Nora? Absolutely. Thanks for having me today. It was great. Absolutely. And until next time, everybody, enjoy your marketing journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.